I'm Donnell Cannon. And I'm Jenny O'Mara. We're here to tell the hummingbird stories across our state of folks who are doing something. We explore how schools and communities work together to create transformative experiences with young people, work to bend the system, and chase the question, what will it take for every child in North Carolina to not only have a sound basic education, but to have catalytic experiences that drive them to step boldly into the futures they deserve and to create a better world. Join us as we interview school designers, community organizers, learning engineers, and education activists to learn what we should be thinking about when it comes to reimagining the future and the steps we can take today to create better schools, better childhoods, and better people tomorrow. We're here, we're ready. Together we have what it takes to set the world on a different path. Let's get started. Hey, Hummingbird fam, welcome back. Today we'll hear from two very profound women. First up, Khadijah Jordan, an educator, counselor, advocate, life coach, mother, and just all around fighter for justice, will perform her very own spoken word piece, You Don't Even Know Me. After that, Donnell and I talk with Kiana Dubeshi, the founder and executive director of Profound Ladies. Profound Ladies is an organization dedicated to countering the inequities plaguing women of color by providing both the mirrors and windows our girls need to actualize their full potential and thrive as members of society. Profound Ladies is committed to fighting until, quote, joy is no longer an act of resistance for women of color anywhere. I learned so much and become a better person each time I talk with these incredible women, and I'm sure you'll find them as inspiring as I do. This is entitled, You Don't Even Know Me. You don't even know me, yet you put your mouth on my name. You judge me by the color of my skin, how my hair is locked from the roots to the end. You don't even know me. You often say I'm loud. Could it be that I'm just proud that my presence demands space that you can't even think of feeling? You don't even know me. You can't even pronounce my name. Funny how everybody still knows that when KD steps on the scene, things are about to change. See, let me break this down for you. This is much deeper than culture. It's more than black lives on a wanted poster. This is bigger than me, beyond what the eyes can see. Past the human eye, it's about being black and afraid to die. It's about being a parent of a black son, often telling them when they see a police, don't run. Put your hands up and say, don't shoot. Their blood pressure raising through the roof just because they was riding to the store to get the last ingredient to mom's famous chicken noodle soup. You don't even know me. You claim you can relate. You never have to look over your shoulder for being accused, ending up on the news just to go to court to lose. You don't even know me. You can't feel my pain. You don't know what it feels like to me when it rains. Because when it rains, it pours. I don't have feeling anymore. You don't even know me. Because in spite of it all, in the room of the brightest intellectuals, I still stand tall. Ten toes down, my feet remain solid on the ground. Yet I'll always be around to remind you that you don't even know me. All right, Hummingbird fam, we're excited for our guest on the show today. Um, it's our sister, Kiana Dubeshi. Oh, see, you said it right. 
<laughs> We're really glad to have you, Kiana. Um, Kiana is an incredible leader who inspires and challenges both Jenny and I to dream bigger, to fight harder, to go the distance, to make the path, and to love children big. And Kiana, we are forever grateful for the way you just continue to show up in our lives and continue to show up in the lives of our children. Um, Kiana, I'll never forget um, when Jenny and I were, were here at North Edge on co-leading and um, like you had a really bold idea about like how you wanted uh, to elevate the voices of uh, our, young, our young ladies here. And you showed up in their lives in a massive way. You were able to kind of like uh, push them to be curious about the, the, the injustices that, um, you know, that kind of, um, that they, that they, they wanted to, to pursue, that they wanted to kind of uh, like break down. Um, you pulled them closer to issues that they wouldn't have been, been proximate to. Um, and our kids till this day are still on that sprint, right? They still have that fervor um, and they still are ignited to, to, to show up and elevate their voices and do something about issues that, that are really important to them. So thank you for that, that gift that you gave kids and thank you for the way you pushed us. Sheesh, and nobody paid you to say those things. That's so nice. And you know, I've always felt welcomed at both of your schools to do that. Um, but man, it never gets easy to hear people say nice things about you. Um, so thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, so Yana, we this is happening. We have you here on the Hummingbird Stories. I know, I know. Naeem thinks like you're so amazing and famous. And so he's like, I can't believe you're gonna be on Canon's show. <laughs> this is funny. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so so key. Um, so who are you? Uh, who am I? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, I'm a mother, a proud mother of two boys. They are eight years old and six months, Naeem and Wasim. They are both Black and Arab. I'm their biggest advocate. I'm a sister. I'm the oldest sister. That's important to note. Um, I'm a daughter, a friend, and a partner. I'm Black. I'm educated, determined, resilient, and gifted. I'm an innovator. I'm both confident and afraid. I'm fearless yet cautious. Um, I'm a torch carrier for all of my ancestors. And um, yeah, I'm team Gryffindor too. So <laughs> sorry for, not sorry for the Harry Potter reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know you're, uh, you're a big Harry Potter fan. And, um, and thank you for naming, naming uh, you know, that you're fearless and cautious, right? I, I feel that often. Um, so, so I, yeah, so I, I can relate to that. Um, so Kiana, like what is, what is, what is your, your hummingbird story? Oh, hummingbird story. I mean, it literally probably is like ongoing stories that I tell myself probably beginning in childhood. I mean, I'm small in stature as it is so similar to a hummingbird. And I, I went back to like the, the way that you eloquently um, narrated it in the beginning of the podcast, like the kickoff series. Um, and I thought a lot about um, the fight within that small creature. So I think that's my story too, which is probably why it resonates so much. Um, like I think my stories are full of rejections and failures um, that keep me up at night, but they also fuel me. Um, so a lot of the work that I do is like, um, I don't take no for an answer very well. So whenever somebody tells me I can't do something or no, or not you or not now, um, I leave with that in mind and 
my objective is like to prove them wrong and take a picture. <laughs> that's, like, that's like my personal model. Like, oh, okay, I can't do that. Okay, watch me. And I'll take a picture and send it back to you. Um, so like, that's just my own way of making sure that like, I never dim my light for others. I never shrink so that someone else can feel big in a space. I make sure that I take up the space that was bequeathed to me from my ancestors and I'm unapologetic about it. Not you, not now. Yeah, that's, a lot. Not, that's not, not me, not now. <laughs> that's not something you put in front of Kiana. Never. Um, so Kiana, you're you're up to something something really big. Yeah. And I want to introduce like your work um, to, okay. to folks. Like, talk to us. Like, what what are you up to right now? What what is what is the thing you're committed to? Oh my gosh. Um. So around like December, I was probably maybe like four or five months pregnant. Um. Had some friends come to me and say, like, I got this big idea that you should you should do. And I was like, oh yeah, but I'm about to have a baby. It's like, oh, you bring you and your 51 kids along <laughs> and you can do this thing. Um, finding this organization that is dedicated to the recruitment and retention of women of color. So it's called Profound Ladies. And I had the bold, audacious um determination that, like, yeah, like me too, right? Like women shouldn't have to choose between um starting families and and starting or following a dream. And so I'm creating my dream job and I'm excited um, to create this organization that is dedicated to putting a wrapping loving arm around women of color so that they can continue to thrive in the workspace and be the leaders and educators that our kids deserve. Um, and so that's a little bit about Profound Ladies. We, we do um, center and target our audience around by POC and mm -hmm. we say bye um, to highlight both black and indigenous women um, and, and recognizing that in this country specifically that the oppression for both of those marginalized groups looks very different. Yeah, so th thank you. One, thank you for leading this work. We know this work is incredibly important. The research um, like regarding the impact, the positive effects of like having teachers of color in, ch in children's lives are absolutely immense. Um, so we know that like students of color who have like at least one teacher of color in their lives, um, they tend to have like higher graduation rates, like lower dropouts, suspension rates, and they're more interested in going to college. Um, so tell, like, Kiana, just like, like, could you build on that? Like, why, why, why is this work important right now? Well, I mean, if we think about the moment that we're in, I mean, like, it is just pivotal. And I think that if we just decide that like, oh, like we can just continue to do school, but we're just gonna do it online, then like we've really missed the mark. I think about the social unrest and the reckoning that is happening in our country and it's long overdue to have those conversations. And I think, you know, maybe we're primed to now start to look, recognize and look at all of these systems that were designed without us in mind and figure out how to like turn them on their heads. So when I think about, I mean, the teaching workforce, 82% of it is still occupied by white women when the number of white students is actually decreasing. So between 2000 and 2017, um, that number has gone from 61% to 48%. So if majority of our student population is no longer white, then why are our teaching workforce still so um, occupied by white women? Um, besides, I think um, girls of color, um, and I, you know, I do center women in this organization, so I'm gonna center our girls the same way, but boys, and um, white boys and, and boys who identify as by POC will benefit from having a teacher who identifies as a um, black indigenous person of color. Um, but I think that you, when, I think they deserve, I think that women of color, girls of color deserve to have women who look like them. That's like both the mirror and the windows. 
So 82% of the workforce is still occupied by white women when the number of white students has decreased between the years of 2000 to 2017 from 61 to about 48%. So majority of our student population is represented by BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, then they deserve to have teachers and mentors um, who look like them. And, and while like we do have some folks and teachers and mentors who are in the building who share their racial identity, I'm thinking specifically around our custodial staff and our lunch staff, um, who to be clear have, are very important and have held spaces in safe spaces and um, for our kids for decades. And when you think about um, the history in our country and, and relegating people of color to servant roles, I think that it's important for our teachers and our, and our students rather to see, um, to see them outside of those roles, to see them as authoritative figures in the buildings and, and to see them leading. Um, so I think um, to just dispel that myth of black people being relegated to servant roles, I think is important. And um, some of that, some of the work I do is grounded a lot and the data that shows that, you know, when students have a person who identifies or share their racial background or come to a marginalized community, um, that they have um, fewer referrals um, for suspensions and expulsions, um, that there's an increase in maybe identifying them for AP courses and advanced courses. Um, that increase in suspension and expulsions is really important because um, to me, it's a clear pipeline um, from our school to confinement. And I do say school to confinement because confinement looks a lot of different ways. If you think about your ISS that are in school, that's a confinement. You think about being sent to the back of a classroom facing the wall, that is confinement. Um, anytime like you're um, excavated from the community, the classroom community, that's confinement. And I think when we make our students used to like being isolated, like that's really dangerous. And so I think um, when you have a person who identifies as a person of color, our students are less likely to have like school resource officers called on them. And um, we have seen examples of what that has led to for our students when they are dragged and slammed out of classrooms. Um, I think when we have um, some of these barriers that are put into place, there's fewer opportunities for our students to um, follow a, a pathway um, for college if that's what they choose or a pathway for um, identifying a skill and a talent that will help to give them some social mobility. And um, I mentioned college because college in this country seems like the pathway towards the middle um, class. And so like, making sure that they have access to that, which means and they should have those barriers removed. And oftentimes it's, it's, it's teachers who identify as BIPOC um, that are more likely to have higher expectations and to not have some of this, this racial bias that is a factor um, and, and, and factors into a lot of the data that I just mentioned. Yeah, really, really, thank you for, for speaking to that. Um, and then we see, like Jenny and I, um, for our listeners, like we both serve as principals. So we see a lot of this like play out, um, especially with our teachers of color. Like like one example I can point to is that uh, like teachers of color tend to have like more positive perceptions of students of color. Um, so I think like both academically and both like behaviorally, behaviorally than other teachers do. Um, and teachers of like, I know teachers of color are, are less likely than white teachers to kind of perceive African-American students as like disruptive. Um, so they're willing to kind of jump in front of that. So before that like shows up in, in my office and I and I have to like quarrel with 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 kind of that that scenario situation, um, they're willing to jump in front and and um, create like this positive Pagmillion effect, right? Like you are 
um, I, I am who you say I am. And it's like, the, when I say that you're bold, when you're beautiful and I speak to your gifts and I speak to what you offer here, like those are the things that we're calling forward. And I, I see that happening when um, our, our young black boys can look at a black male teacher, right? Um, who has a corresponding bias. They could say like, um, you are like what I say you are and can, can pull out the gift that the student already brings to, to the classroom. Um, so thank you for that. We know that the pipeline right now, like nationally is pretty leaky. Um, so thank you for showing up in this moment right now. So there, so so there's no longer a gap in like representation um, because as you mentioned, like it's hold it'll hold all of our students back. So thank you. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, and when you mentioned that, like not only I mean kids believe it right because like I look like their aunt, I look like a cousin or a neighbor. Like and so I feel like a lot of times I just didn't struggle with building relationships with kids or families, and there was just like this trust um, that was building. I think when you walk into a building, like the first, the first thing I do is I, I kind of look around to like, you know, like figure out like who, who I can identify. And sometimes it's just an exchange of an eye, like of the eyes and like we just meet there, right? And, and like you, you speak a lot without saying anything. Um, and I think everybody deserves that level of safety. That's just where we are, right? Like there's just some safety that is, that is there. And, and then sometimes not, right? Like we have to be clear about um, internalized racial oppression and how that shows up. And so like our work is not just about recruiting and retaining, but like sometimes there's some unlearning that we have to do too as people of color. Um, like people of color can uphold white supremacy and like there are a lot of times and like we perpetuate systems and sometimes that's just us being a part of the system and um, doing a lot of things that have been told to us and making sure that we're not creating harm for our people too. And so I think liberating everybody from that, um, that's the work of the organization. It's like my debt for occupying a space in this world, yeah. Yeah, man, Kiana, and I'm I'm so glad that you do take up the space that you take um, because I just I see how you impact everybody around you. So, um, man, it's just inspiring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah girl. Um, but speaking of liberation, I just like want to do a quick aside for all my like fellow white educators out there, especially the white women in education out there. You know, as you were listening to Kiana talk, um, you might like feel your body react or respond and. And there's like a lot of emotions there, right? Because we, our bodies have been trained for years um, to, to learn white supremacy and to live in a white supremacist culture. And that's not good for anybody, right? So it's not good for our, our BIPOC, you know, sisters and brothers. And it's also not good for us. So I just want to name real quickly though, for, for my white colleagues that um, one, this is not really about us and we've got our own work to do, um, but two, that equity for um, black indigenous people of color does not mean less for for you or me. It just means more for everybody. And I think that's the future that we all want to get towards. Um, so speaking of the futures we dream of, um, Kiana, what's what's the future that you want to create in this world? So so we're not just going to talk about how you just gathered all the white women on this call. I mean, that's great. Like that has to happen sometimes. I am so excited that like, oh my gosh, that you are an ally and that you said it and I don't have to say it. So I just, just wanted to acknowledge that. But okay, we'll just move on and the future that i dream of is more white people do that where more white people do that like where like i don't have to fight so hard for my own liberation because people behind me or beside me next to me want the same thing too mm. i mean the future that i dream of maybe because i'm a mom is like um I want, I want students to be positioned to have the world at their fingertips. I want my sons to be able to leave the house and make it home without being traumatized, without being profiled, singled out, or other, wherever they are. I wanna be able to make sure that like my little hummingbirds can leave the nest and I feel confident that they'll return home with no doubt about it. I don't, I don't wanna be sick or 
every time they leave the house or worry about the messages that will be written on them um, from like outside forces. Um, that, so the future that I dream of is like synonymous with liberation, like no change, no systems, no chains, no systems, no doubt, only grace and opportunity and compassion and empathy for all people, like regardless of your background or your zip code. Uh, mic drop. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I mean, that's like literally the thing we're all striving towards, right? I love what you said about grace, opportunity, compassion for everybody. Um, and just like, we don't want outcomes to be determined by like these factors that have been made up, frankly, right? Like they are right now. So I think, you know, Keanu, I think about the, the teachers I hear from every day and work with every day, um, they want the exact same thing. So, so what advice do you have for teachers and school leaders who, who dream of the same possible future? I mean, the advice that I have for them is like, you are enough just as you are, flaws, imperfections and all, just go do the thing that only you and only you were gifted to do. Don't let other people like write on who you were called to be or like, or like what you are like gifted and talented to do. Like, I just believe that like you are given gifts and so you should operate in that. Um, that's like the best advice that I tell, one of the best pieces of advice that I tell myself and others is like, don't seek external validation. Like other people's opinions of you are none of your business. So, I mean, it helps me to make sure that like I'm not distracted from the outcomes and the things that I'm trying to achieve. Um, I feel like the people who matter don't mind and the people who mind, they don't really matter. So I feel like you so you surround yourself with like truth tellers and those who are doers and not just dreamers, like not just people who are like dreaming up thing without a things without a plan or action because like to me that's just a nightmare. Um, and so just find your find your people, find the the, the ones who will like hold you when you're like scared to do that thing and like do that thing that like brings you almost to the brink of like, I, don't, I didn't want to say vomit, but I guess I'm just, that's what I think like sometimes when I'm doing profoundly is like, oh my gosh, like I could literally vomit. This is so scary. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> that, that's like how you know you got to do something when it just terrifies you. feel you, sick. Right? Yes. <laughs> that's so real. And I just like, I want to double click on that. Don't like, Y'all do not need external validation. I can't mm -hmm. say how many times I walk into a classroom and teachers change what they're doing because I'm in there because they have a story in their head of what they think that I want to see. And like the, the craziest part of it all is usually what they think I want to see is not at all what I want to see. Isn't like, that so sad? And, but they were conditioned, like somebody else told them that like years and years and years. And we have to remember for our teachers too, like they were once students. Like that has been written on them from for a while. It's just like a lot of that unlearning. And they probably were doing fine before you walked in, but like people don't actually see that. And so like they do, they conform and they switch it up and they probably end up messing up when they were probably fine <laughs> before yeah. they tried to please you, you know? Yep. And I'll yeah. find like the ones who aren't worried about pleasing me. Like when I walk in, I, it, I'm, I get to be part of like this joyful, beautiful space and I get to learn alongside kids. And so, you know, for, I guess for administrators out there too, what I want to add is like, how are we creating those spaces? And when we do walk in, teachers get to invite us into what they're designing instead of teachers feeling like they have to adjust to what they think we might want. You know, how are we building those relationships ourselves? Um, so Kiana, you know that, you know, our podcast is all about um, creating phenomenal childhoods. So what, what other advice would you give to folks who care about that very thing? Um, the advice that I would give to them is like, yes, like go and do that thing. I think it's easier to live with and alongside 
people who don't have to recover from their childhoods. So please do it. Like whatever gift and whatever idea has been given to you, please go and do that thing. Um, I think that we should continue to work to identify the problems and dismantle the policies and practices and the people that are designed to keep it just as it is, but you also have to build something new. So yeah, just go do it. Yeah, thank you for that. And uh, so Key, you are leading some important work um, and we, we, you know, we have to do a better job at addressing um, the diversity like problem in, in, in our teaching workforce. Um, our students need to see their own cultures, their own race reflected in the adults responsible for their learning. Um, and you're up to that. And thank you for standing boldly in this moment and like doing something. Um, so Key, how, how can people learn more about the work you're leading and pursue something similar? Oh, wow. Well, they can learn more about it by getting involved. I like, I like doers. I like thinkers, but I like doers. Um, so you can follow us on Instagram at Profound Ladies. Um, you can visit our website, profoundladies.org. Um, if you're trying to pursue something similar, I think joining us in multiple ways. So if you're an ally and you're not a BIPOC um, woman who is in education, but you want to support the work, you can give um, by following profoundladies.org. Um, you can give there. I think that's an, a profound act of allyship. If you're a bi PLC woman in education and you need a mentor, you're hitting that time where you're like questioning where you belong, we've got a space for you. If you, be you belong with us, so you can join us. There's memberships that um, can be accessed on our website as well. Um, if you're an educator and you haven't figured out what's missing for your women of color, um, but you're recognizing that maybe your approach is not totally inclusive or comprehensive, you can partner with us by going to our website, profileladies.org. Um, you can find information there um, for like districts that can create partnerships. In. And lastly, if you're looking for facilitation because you're on this journey to figure out what it means to be an anti-racist educator, I facilitate learning too. And you can find all of that on our website at profileladies.org. <laughs> Yana, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. This has been an honor. Thank you for uh, being exactly who you are. Um, thank you for showing up um, to meet this moment, to meet the demand in this moment. And like, we're forever grateful. This work is forever grateful. And we're excited to see what uh, Profound Ladies uh, continues to pursue um, and the difference they continue to make. And again, thank you for joining the Hummingbird Stories. Yeah, yeah, thank you yeah. for uh, sharing all of the hummingbirds with the world. I think the world needs to know all of the big things that the little beads are up to. Well, that's it. Thank you for tuning into the Hummingbird Stories. Please share our podcast with the people you love and rate it wherever you get your pods. Follow Ginny on Twitter at Omira Jen. Follow me on Instagram at Martin Luther Can Jr. Hummingbird Stories is made by Allie Lindenberg, Ginny Omira, and me, Donnell Cannon. Original music by eighth grade student DX4L. Hummingbird painting by 8th grade student Jocelyn Hernandez. A special shout out to Nevin Rash, who always reminds us, why not us? Thanks to the Ed&C team for their never-ending support.